The FM Evolution podcast is brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services. We'll ensure consistently great performance to help keep your business running smoothly. For more information, visit cgpconstruction.com. This is the FM Evolution Podcast, brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, bringing you trends, innovations, and advancement of the facility management universe. Welcome to the Evolution. Here's Sean Black. What's up, guys? It's Sean Black at FM Evolution. Welcome back to another show. I'm excited because it's Friday, and that means... It's leadership time with Jim Robinson. Hey, buddy. Hey, glad to be here, guys. Thanks for having me again. I love it, man. Grateful for all things. We were just talking about that. It's an amazing thing. Glad to have you back. Uh, of course, Jim, for you guys who do not know Jim Robinson by now, he's a CEO for CGB Maintenance Construction Services. Also, of course, an author, speaker, and certified business coach. That gives me something oh, to do on Mondays. That's right. And also chairman for a nonprofit, of course, ECTLC. Love those guys. Let's do it. Okay, Jim. So today we are going to be talking about a family first culture. Okay. Kind of a near and dear subject to uh, us, you know, I want to kind of hop into it because I think it's important and uh, it's it's creating a culture. We, and we were talking about this a little bit ago about how culture is like the buzz thing now. And it's been for a little bit you know, for our companies. But um, as you are kind of jumping into this and, and, and looking at creating a, a family first culture, I know it's, you know, um, it's kind of part of our core uh, values here. Okay. So Jim, when you're hiring new employees or you're looking to increase productivity in your existing team, making the office feel like it's a place that, you know, it's kind of like home. It's a family that, that goes a long ways and having a productive team. But what do you feel as a leader and have done this for so long is like the first step in really kind of creating that family first culture. What would you say for you guys? Well, we started the family first culture 37 years ago. I mean, so it's at our core, it's who we are. And you pick up on it very quickly when you've been around. Uh, Years ago, I started to study loyalty for companies and how that worked. And historically, it's been about a two years uh, two years in, and they either shift up or shift out, and we accelerate that. We believe it happens to be the family-first model. People feel, one, well-respected. They feel like they can make mistakes and be supported through the mistake as a growth opportunity, and so I, I think that's how we accelerate it. I mean, it's when they come in, one, you got to get people to open. They, you know, When you sit around Thanksgiving dinner, Everybody's sharing. The family's talking. You have to do that in the interview process. You got to get them open. You got to get them to to talk, and then you got to see if there's an alignment there. Uh, years ago, of course, a lot of leaders have done this. But as you interview, you you start on the sales pitch, and you're trying to sell the idea for them working for you versus asking more questions of them. And then you know pretty quickly that starts to evolve because you start hiring all these people that you told them they were great versus discovered how great they were. And so we shift that pretty quick, you know, many years ago, but you can pick up on them pretty quick when they start to open, if they're going to remain open and be, you know, truly become part of the family. You feel like, I mean, I know with some people that they feel kind of intimidated with talking with their CEO or their direct manager uh, and really opening up about a family first work environment. And, and, you know, they feel like, I can't talk about that. That's, 
you know, that's, that's, this is only a business and I can't talk about these kind of issues or these challenges. As a leader, what do you think is the most effective way to kind of change that, to create an environment where people feel comfortable to talk to you? Well, for me and what we've always done, we, we're just open. I'm, I'm very open. I'm very candid. I'm very frank about what I have in my life. I want people to understand, you know, the challenges I have as well. And there are threats with CEOs. My wife is in the, uh, she works for a DOD. And it's funny because she's been married to a CEO for 37 years. And she'll tell me how the CEO is coming to town and everybody's dressing differently and doing all these things. I'm like, honey, you've been married to a CEO. You don't, you don't change gears when I'm walking in the door. What's going on here? I, so the reality is, is there is some, you know, something with that title. Um, I've had it since I was 19 years old, so I don't really understand that. And as people get around me more than sometimes a few minutes, they figure out that I'm just a normal person and I'm really, truly trying to be part of their family. I always tell them, thank you for letting me be part of your team when they come to work here. Um, because that's really how I feel. I mean, I feel like I've been blessed and fortunate because I'm about to learn a brand new thing. And I don't know what it is yet until I get to talk to these people. But uh, so I, that's really what it is. And I think that accelerates the buy-in to the family concept. It's funny because we get these people that you can tell they've been in a very different environment, almost abused. And they're gun shy about, yeah. they're gun shy about kind of telling things. And they usually are trying to hide things. And then when we start to talk to them and we, you know, we invite them to have mistakes and share the mistake and then have the opportunity to grow, they're like, what? I mean, it baffles most of them. And then within a short period of time, they're like, I can just go tell them I messed this up. And because I really want, I really appreciate the ownership and things. And I really push that. I want to make sure we're owning whatever the mistake is, whether it's us internally or externally. And so people learn that very quickly. And that's part of the culture. is uh, you just got to tell the family sometimes, I don't want to be with you today. Next time you say, man, where are you? I miss you. Come on back. Yeah. You miss me all the time. Like a, like a <laughs> flu. <laughs> like a flu. <laughs> Do you think, I mean, you, I mean, you've said it. you've been CEO since you're 19 and, and, and how that position, I, I, I can only assume that after all these years that that CEO title has, has kind of, means different things to you now. I don't know, from when you're 19. Yeah, you know, it does. It, I grow just like everybody else. You know, there's no difference in a CEO or anyone else. It's, uh, you, yeah. you got to yearn to learn. And it's, I do, I have the yearning to always be learning. And it's, uh, that's really what my life has been founded on is really the drive to learn more about everything that I possibly can. And it's, uh, you know, 19 years ago, when I when I gave myself the title of CEO, when I you know founded the business, you have one or two, three employees, and you get ten, and you're still just the CEO. And then you start employing a few, you know, a few, a lot more, and then it's uh, you're still just the CEO. It's um, yeah. you know, it's it's different people's different perception of who who the CEO really is. And I think uh, across the board, as I sit with you know all levels. It's uh to me, it's a unique opportunity and they figure out pretty quickly. I have a title and I have a responsibility to do certain things, but my biggest yeah. responsibility is to them. It's nothing else. That CEO thing just means I'm responsible to them, not for them. I got to screw some things up, but I am responsible to them. 
It means I got to do my very best to make sure we're continually growing and have a place for them to call home. We we talk about it, and we kind of brought it up already, where you're really kind of talking about having like an open door type policy environment. And you want to create that. And I think a lot of workers think that like their managers, maybe not the CEO, but maybe their managers are like them. You know, they're they're stressed, they're juggling life. You know, they as work as employees, uh, just like they are. I mean, for those managers and leaders, what, what advice would you give them on showing their team that, hey, you know what? They're open to discuss like a family environment, a family first, or, or discussing the challenges that they're having. Um, I mean, for you, it's a little bit different, but for those managers, especially new managers that are coming up, and you're trying to get them to cultivate that family environment, that culture, how would you, what, what advice would you give them? Well, they're gonna they're gonna learn by example how they interact with me. If if I'm the hiring person for a, a level of that, you know, management level or whatever, they're gonna learn from me very quickly how how I'm open and how I certainly expect them. Or they're probably not gonna get the role. We say family first model, and that really means that we're gonna treat each other as though we are part of the family, but we're gonna treat each other like we treat our grandmother with the highest dignity and respect. And that's that's really what our model is: a family first model. It means we have to treat each other with high dignity and respect, and that's including the failures and the wins. When we fail, if grandma failed in some way, which grandma didn't, she cooks good, she raised my mom and dad. I mean, all of that stuff is great, right? They don't fail. So when when something happens, let's just do it like grandma would do it, you know, high dignity, high respect, and that's reciprocal. You'd never use profanity to your grandmother unless you're from a very different world. I'm sure some families do that, but certainly nothing I've been exposed to, never would have done. But so that's really our family first model. And for managers, they learn that very quickly and they don't get into management roles unless they kind of adopt that openness that uh, you can have secrets. You don't have to tell everything. We're not asking that. Uh, That's not what the family first model is about. It's respect and dignity, caring, loving, learn to love, learn to be loved, accept love from others. That's really, really what we all want anyway. Why not give that? I love that. For those, I mean, obviously the the, the leaders and the managers here, they, they learn through the, the example. And then they be that example, essentially. So really the advice to people outside our organization and other service industries is really, is, is, is be that example, right? Be open with them, be transparent, you know, and uh, encourage them to do the same. Yeah, I mean, they they learn very quickly how our techs are in the field, you know, our frontline people. Uh, a customer, I mean, we've been told this repeatedly, that they get a wow factor because they, one, they don't, they don't get that same experience elsewhere. And it's, um, it, it's, it's really predicated on family first. It's our people, when they learn how to do what we do, they go and treat everybody exactly the same, like they treat their great-grandmother. Respect and dignity, full ownership, no lying. It's just full ownership. Grandma will swatch, and, swatch your ass if you uh, <laughs> if you told the fib. My day. Yeah, she gets you straightened out. But, so it's really, it, it really is. It's just full ownership. It's going wrong, so what? It's never what you think it is. Everyone overthinks it. Just take ownership, fix the problem, move on. I love that. And I've had that feedback personally myself with, uh, with clients. And, and it... I don't know. It seems like to me that that's normal, um, you know, because that's our environment here. But I know it's not always the case. In fact, it's not the case. It is definitely not. Really I not. coach a lot of businesses. I'm involved in a lot of groups. I care for a lot of individuals. I, you know, in the transitional living center, we have some 450 people. 
I can tell you unequivocally, the model is very unique and different from what I know of other places. In fact, a lot of larger corporations would frown on the model of family first. They actually tell you they that's not a family, it's a business. Treat it like a business. Yep. And for me, CGP has been very successful based on the, the core of who I am. And so we'll continue to do that regardless of what the, what the big guys tell me. It's, uh, we, we've had success in this and, and we build a lot of amazing people that come through CGP. So proud of those accomplishments. We're not shifting that core. I think a lot of people, there is a misconception with a family first model. And that is, you don't want to have the dysfunction <laughs> of a family that some families have, but, and I know that's their experience, but that's not what it's about. It's not, it's a, not, a, it's not, it's that. not about trying to focus on dysfunction. We all have different challenges right. in our families, of course, but there's no different in family okay. first model. And being able to have some dysfunction is not there to be a dysfunction. It's there to build us. Even in our own yes. lives, in our, in, our, in our blood relatives growing up, that dysfunction wasn't placed there to mess with us. It was there to build us. It's to give us experiences. It's to change us, educate us. And that's really all it is. And so even in our business model, under that you know, family first model, we're going to have those dysfunctions. We're going to embrace them. We're going to see what they are. We're going to analyze them. We're going to fix whatever's happening, but we're all going to grow and learn from it. No other way to do it. So our families, is some of them are really jacked up, that's okay. <laughs> Perfectly fine. It's okay. It's okay. It's just building up. I think, uh, I think that belief system, that philosophy is what makes that difference, you know, honestly. And you, you can have that family. And I've worked for Force of Gummies. I had that family uh, culture. And they have all that dysfunction, yeah. <laughs> but they don't, they do not, they don't deal with it well. You know, it's like you have the crazy uncle and you have the, the aunt who is, uh, you know, lost herself and, and they don't, they don't know how to put it together. Uh, it, it brings, it that, brings that entertainment value to the, uh, other family outside yeah. of the office and the <laughs> high entertainment value. But I want that in the office too. I want that entertainment value because I do grow and I, I say thank you all the time to people. Uh, even the new startups, I just go thank them. I said, I'm, I'm here to learn from you. I hope you express things because I'm going to learn. I'm going to capitalize on everything that I possibly can. I love it, man. Okay, we're going to pause for a quick break right here and uh, I'll thank your sponsors and we'll be right back. Awesome. Did you know that CGP Maintenance and Construction Services are also commercial plumbers? They added the plumbing division in 2000 and have been serving the nation's largest brands ever since. They offer everything from cleaning drains, camera work, and grease trap repairs to full repipes and digouts. So when your brand needs commercial plumbing, remember to call CGP. They are ready to be on site 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They specialize in restaurants, retail stores, commercial buildings, and hospitality. No matter what your plumbing needs may be, CGP is ready. And because they are a maintenance company, they can make the repairs needed after the plumbing is completed as well. One call will do it all. Call them today at 858-454-7326 or check them out on the web at www.cgpconstruction.com. Give them a call today. What's up, guys? Welcome back to FM Evolution. Of course, we're here with Jim Robinson with our leadership series. Welcome back, Jim. Hey, great to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's a great Friday. We're on a great subject. We're talking about family culture uh, in the workplace. 
Um, and, you know, this is core to who we are. So it's been a really good discussion so far. And But I want to jump into something that I know is uh, something that is a favorite thing for you. And, and, and that's really kind of jumping into autonomy uh, and how that works with a family culture type environment. Um, I know this is something you're a big supporter of. And, you know, more than ever, I think it's important uh, part of creating a family a culture environment. Um, can you kind of explain, like, your belief around people working autonomous and, you know, and how you kind of, and how do you implement that? Well, for me, I've always stated that I'm an autonomous leader. It's actually painful for me to have to be involved in a micromanaging way. In a micromanaging way, as people get off track, you got to kind of re-inject yourself into the situation. You got to manage at a very, you know, uh, by the minute type of scenario, which I, I don't enjoy that. I thoroughly enjoy the autonom- autonomy in leadership because it's the freedom to use creativity. And that's really important in your employee base. If you squeeze them hard, that's great. Some of them may need some really tight guidance. Others will grow into a role. You have to teach in this, but they'll grow into the role of autonomy. I don't want managers micromanaging their teams either. And so you get what you give. You get what you give. And if you give them autonomy, they too, the managers, will eventually shift and be autonomous leaders for their teams. And that builds more teams. And then it becomes very much a, a core value of autonomy. It, when, you, when you suppress the autonomy part, you really are suppressing their creativity, the individual's creativity. They lose interest in being with your company. They lose interest in everything. And it actually hampers them in decision-making. We want everybody to make decisions. So autonomy is really important for that. It rises, influences, and helps support creativity. You have to do that, particularly in a creative business. If you got just the mundane business, I don't know what it would be, but ours is highly creative. We have to problem solve all day long. All of us are problem solving all day long at a very high level, floods, fires, whatever. We need people to be very creative in that. And we need them to make decisions in real time, not calling somebody saying, hey, can I, can I fix the widget? They need to make a decision. That's creativity. And that comes from being, being led by an autonomous leader. I love that. That's part of my job. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is, it is true, though. And I know a big part of, uh, of having that autonomy out there is, you know, those people being, we have very diverse people in our, in our company. And I know that's by design. Uh, and we've talked about this, we've talked about this on our, about this on our last show uh, and having, you know, an increased workplace autonomy really means that you also kind of have to understand that all the people are different. Right. And so in, in doing that, um, that's actually a benefit. And we talked about having those people be diverse and what they bring to the table, but as a leader and you're, uh, who is vision casting, and creating a, a family culture, uh, how does how does that work? Like, how do you put that together? How do you make the the, the diversity be a part of a family culture? Um, well, I mean, you don't have to be blood to be family, and <laughs> it, it's pretty simple. It's everybody around. It, it's treat them like you treat your grandmother. I don't care what walk of life you're from. You can treat your grandmother with dignity and respect. So we, we try to simplify that. Family can be complicated. We prefer it not be. So we simplify yeah. the family model, and we just say, treat them like you treat your great-grandmother, dignity and respect. 
collaborate, ask opinions. That's really what it is. And it doesn't matter. The, the diversity, all that does is really expand the family model. So diversity is critical. You need generational changes. You need all different walks of life involved because you continually change and build the company because there's so many opinions that are so mm-hmm. different. And those all those opinions ultimately funnel into a vision cast that you know propels everybody forward in the same way. Ships move in one direction, got to get on board and go. I think that is definitely, it's an acquired talent. I, I, I believe it is. It's a, like a, it's a, a skill that has to be, and some people are just good at it, but I think in general, you really have to learn how to do that uh, and, and focus and understand that all that diversity plays a role in driving your company and being successful. You have to address it. And one of the things a part, that's part of that is, is really communication, right? And because I know, I know it plays a huge role in that diversity and, and in, in that autonomy. And, and when it comes to creating this family culture, we know that the communication of family members can be, it can be challenging because that diversity and the family member, the family culture, they're so different. And so you really have to kind of learn how that communication works. Um, with, with all that said, I mean, how do, how do you create a work environment that has good communication? That includes that mutual respect you're talking about. Like, how do you encourage that? Well, I mean, early on when you come to work with us, you're going to learn pretty quickly that you get what you give. If you're coming in in a bad mood, you're going to get people giving you a bad mood. It's not. It's not unlike family. That's true. And yeah. <laughs> likewise, you cut. You, you know, you got somebody pretty upbeat. You know, always on on an up. You're going. To, your office is going to shift, and they're always going to be on an up. So it's. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's you get what you give, and if you give in abundance, you share abundance. You you you're going to get all that back. And openness. If you share openness, you're going to get openness back. If you're closed off, reserved, quiet as a you know the church mouse, I can tell <laughs> you that's what you're going to get in return. You have to open. They have to see that everything is genuine, and people need to feel safe. You know, in the hierarchy of human needs, we need to know that tomorrow is going to show up and we got a place to go. So we call it certainty, but you got to have that. Uh, Managers have to make sure they're vision casting. We're secure. We're good. We got things to do. Let's go to work. And uh, so that's what I believe. It's uh, you get what you give and uh, it's it's important to give unconditionally. Don't put strings attached. I love that. And, and, And I think it's it's universal, right? I mean, it, it, for our company and for every other service company out there and facility manager who's working, you know, at a brand, that's, that, that advice is universal, no matter where, what position you're at, you are in. So, uh, great. value bombs from Jim Rollins. Hey, that's what we're bringing today. Let's keep coming. <laughs> well, I wanted to kind of chat about when you have a family environment, a culture, that people get pretty close. Yeah. I mean, some are closer than others, obviously, just like in a family, you know, and I tell my kids that you're my favorite, <laughs> you know, I tell them all that. They know it's a, it's a crap. It's a good but I love them all the same. But, but in a work environment, you definitely have people who are closer than others. But what advice would you give to a new manager or a leader who's dealing with team members that work so closely, um, you know, especially if they're from the outside coming in? Say that question again, if they're doing what? What advice would you give for a, so a new manager, a new leader in an organization that's coming into an organization like ours, this very close-knit, 
what advice would you give them on managing people that they're that uh, you know they're working? Uh, you know, we like to promote from within. We like to grow people and grow them into management roles. We haven't overly uh, per capita. We've not outsourced hiring management level. We build them. We make them into managers. We grow them and promote them from within. I think that's a very important thing. That has definitely been our model. The few times we've hired from the outside, the one thing that we talk about is turf wars. And if you come in really strong-headed as a manager, you're going to lose and the team's going to ultimately win. They're just going to get rid of you. And unless they embrace you, you got no chance that you're going to actually lead anybody. So you you really got to come in open-minded. You got to come in, uh, you got to come in asking more questions than telling. And as you ask more questions, the people will open. And as they open, there's an opportunity to connect. And until they open, there's no connection. There's literally zero connection. So a new person coming in, if we're hiring from the outside at a management level, they definitely got to come in. They're going to be open. If they're getting hired by us, we've probably already grilled them enough that we realize they're an open individual. So we've already went through the process. We've went through the three interviews. We've done all that. But openness is key. Ask better questions. If you're a smart person, you're going to ask good questions. You're going to ask better questions. And you're going to ask a lot of them. Nothing yes or no, but a lot of questions. And people will open to that. People want to talk about themselves. We all want to do that. And if you get them to talk, man, they'll buy in. There'll be some loyalty pretty quick. I love that. I always, uh, I always use the phrase when I'm talking to people who are brand new in position. You don't want to come in guns blazing. Yeah. You know, you don't want to come in and start shooting. Because, I mean, you got to take time. You got to adjust. You got to get in. got to ask those questions. You know, it depends you know, on what you're called to do. If, you, if you're called to clean house, then come on in, guns blazing, that's fine. Yeah. The, the, the heavy, you know, the heavy hitters that are in it for the long haul will endure, and yeah. then they'll shift, and they too will grow. But if you're really called to clean house, then that's great. You can come in as you know, strong and strong-willed as you need to be. Yeah. Um, but if you're coming in to actually grow the ex- existing team and you're coming in as a management role or a leadership role, I can tell you, you got to ask better questions. You got to ask really smart questions and very, very specific. And people will open very quickly. You don't get a long time to do this, by the way. You have to do that very quickly. Uh, you need mm-hmm. to meet individually and just say, you know, how can I best support you, man? I hear a lot of great things. Uh, we all love our egos, right? Egos are what grow us. Uh, so we got to make sure we're capitalizing on those egos, both our own and theirs. And uh, we'll, we'll all grow. There's a place to use and check that ego. You got to put that if you're condemning something, but definitely use it to grow. I always think of, um, and I know you know the stories. We we both are fans of John Maxwell. And I always think of his, his story when he started, just started uh, in the leadership role over at Skyline. And he had to get all the, the team involved. And, and that's not easy. Like You do have to be patient. You do have to ask questions. You have to get people on your side, yeah. essentially, and the way to do that is just being open with them. And, and, I've, known, and I've known Maxwell a very long time, oddly enough, yeah. because of San Diego, but I know the one guy that was the adversary, uh-huh. and I've met him. I won't divulge his name. He now lives in Texas. But I just the other day, literally the other day, like four or five weeks ago, I met him, and I was telling the Maxwell story, and he's like, yeah, I was the one on the board that voted him out. And oh, no way. He's the one guy that voted no, and everyone else voted yes. And after we get done with the show, I'll tell you who this is. But oh, it was a great conversation and because he ultimately signed on, if you followed that story. He ultimately, John, went to him and said, you know, here's what I'm really doing. Can I count on you? 
And that was the shift. It's what I say all the time. Can I count on you? And that's the story of where I got it from. But I'll tell you who it is as soon as we're done. Yeah. Yeah. And I've actually, and I've known him for seven years. And I just didn't know the connection until I told the story the other day in the group. That's so funny. Yeah, it's awesome. That is awesome, man. You never did. So I know know the one guy that said no. The one guy. And ultimately, he became his biggest. Biggest, biggest asset right? on the on the team over there yeah. on the board because he also they were his over building permits and some other things in growth and it was a no everyone else was a yes and he says no we got to get clarity here's what I want and then John made that work so I love that man yeah that? it's a pretty cool story actually all right man we're about ready to wrap up here last one last one and and it's an important one because I want to talk about. Yes, you. All the things we talked about in the family culture uh, is really important in, in a company. But I think the one thing, and you started, you talked about a little bit, is really how it impacts clients. And so the last question I really want to kind of wrap up is: is I want to know is how creating um, a culture based on family first, like the core values. How does that, in your opinion, how do you think it really impacts clients and, and uh, who interact with their team? And, and what advice would you give to other CEOs on you know on this on the benefits of having this culture of, as far as client engagement goes. Well, clients sometimes they don't even know why they like you so much, and we regularly get the comments that that guy was just so nice, that gal was just so unbelievably helpful, and it's like getting your groceries carried out to your car. You know, I don't I don't think I've ever done that, but they ask. And when, when they ask those types of questions, it's it's what our people do the same. It's how can I help you? Uh, you've been around long enough. You hear me close every single meeting. And I always say, what can I do for you or how can I serve you? And it's you hear that enough and you start delivering that in the field. It becomes totally inherent. It becomes part of your core. And I guarantee people that work with us go home and do the same thing. It's because it it is at our core. It's there's, it's a no joke deal, and they hear it enough, and so they they do that when they're in the field with clients. Client says, you know, what about this is terrible? Absolutely, I got you. I'll take care of this. Is there anything else I can help with? While I'm here, can I do something else for you? How can I serve you? How can I be of best service to you? It's it's in everybody's mouth. They come out with these words, and as I hear them randomly, I'm blown away. I'm literally blown away, but we've developed some pretty amazing things culturally, and uh, we're going to stick to it. We're going to keep growing people, and in turn, I get to grow. So magic in that. Oddly enough, that's exactly how I close out meetings now. <laughs> it's so funny. And, and, and I think the, the fact you just said, I was like, dang, it's exactly what I – I stole that from you, and I'm like, I'm going to use that, and, and I use it, and, and it it's awesome. It's it, it becomes, un- it mean, becomes unintentional and sometimes yeah, they're not even I aware. Didn't mean to start doing yeah. it. It just, it is exactly what I do now. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's so funny, telling man. You, man. It's when you're around certain leaders, you develop their key and you take that key and you share it and you open the hearts and minds of other people with that key. And uh, it's, yeah. that's juice, man. <laughs> that is awesome. juice. But yeah, we do it. It's how we do it. That's it, man. See? That's what we do here. We bring the juice. Baby. Bring the juice. Bring it. Bring the juice. Bring the nitro. Bring the nitro. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap up for this show. And so I'm going to thank you uh, because I-, I love doing these shows with you. And I think it's impactful. 
and being able to bring our culture and, and share that and talk about why it's important with other service providers and, and, and leaders, I think is uh, it's a huge value. And so thank you for being on the show. Yeah, man. I really thank appreciate you very it. much. Practice quality service, treat them like you'd treat your great grandmother, dignity and respect all times and ask what else can you do for them? I love that, man. For all you guys who are listening on your favorite podcast platform, hey, give us a like, subscribe. If we're adding value for you guys, uh, you know, let us know and send us a question. We'd love to hear from you guys. We use those questions on the show. And if you're on YouTube uh, and you love what you're seeing, you're getting the value uh, bombs or the juice, Get the, juice. the night show today. Uh, go ahead and hey, hit the little bell for notification. Hit subscribe so you get all the videos. And then uh, until next time, we'll see you guys then. See ya. Thank you.